Dr. Isaac Dial Zero. The Brent Community Healthcare System presents Hospital Insider, the podcast. Your host is Gary Chalk, the retired director of public affairs for the Brandt Community Healthcare System, a newspaper columnist, and former radio broadcaster. The podcast features conversations with members of the medical staff, the caregivers, volunteers, the leadership team, and donors of the Brantford General Hospital and the Willett Hospital in Paris. Listening to Hospital Insider, the podcast, will inform and educate you about hospital care. So please share this podcast with your family and friends and encourage them to subscribe as well. Remember, if it has to do with hospital care in Brantford, Paris, and throughout Brant County, we will talk about it on Hospital Insider, the podcast. Welcome to Hospital Insider, the podcast. I'm Gary Chalk. The topic today is nuclear medicine, and joining me in the studio is Dr. Christopher O'Brien, Medical Director of Nuclear Medicine of the Brand Community Healthcare System. Christopher, welcome. How are you today? Good morning. Thank you very much. I'm doing well. You and I go back a long, well, I shouldn't say a long time. It makes it sound very old, but go back a few years. I started at the Brantford General in 1995, and I think that I first met you in the cafeteria line one day. What year did you begin? I started in 1994, so I'm into my 26th year at Brantford General now. So we were pretty well contemporaries. Yes, exactly. Uh, Dr. O'Brien graduated from McGill University in Montreal back in 1988, then enrolled at the University of Western Ontario, studying nuclear medicine for six years. Then in 1994, recruited to Brantford. He is the medical director, as I said, of the nuclear medicine department at the uh, Bryant Community Healthcare System. And during his 25 years at the helm of nuclear medicine, he has introduced nuclear cardiology imaging, as well as expanding cancer imaging, brain imaging, pulmonary embolism assessment, as well as treatment for hypothyroidism. But wait, there's more about this man. While Brantford General is home base, Dr. O'Brien also oversees the nuclear medicine services Stratford General Hospital as well as Pembroke Regional Hospital. He has been an external reviewer for nuclear medicine departments throughout Ontario and British Columbia, has served on the board of directors of the Royal College of Physicians and Surgeons of Canada, held senior leadership positions with both Canadian and Ontario nuclear medical associations, as well as the Canadian Association of Nuclear Medicine and the Ontario Association of Nuclear Medicine. And moreover, he's also involved in the redevelopment of nuclear medicine in Uganda, East Africa where he's traveled many times. We'll talk about your African adventure, but first, whereabouts are you from? How did you end up getting into uh, McGill McGill University? Well, I actually started off in an undergraduate program at Concordia in doing sociology and religion in the humanities. And I felt that was a very fun basis for for medicine because I think every medical practitioner should have a basis in philosophy, in the humanities, et cetera. And uh, then I decided to go into McGill as an undergrad and I did an honors program in neurophysiology at McGill University and felt that medicine was a calling at that point and uh, applied and was very lucky to be accepted at, at McGill and spent four years there, as, as, as you mentioned. And um, prior to that, I was actually a technologist in nuclear medicine in the late 1970s. So that sparked my interest in imaging, be it radiology, uh, nuclear medicine, echocardiography, et cetera. And I found my, my love was more towards radiology and nuclear medicine, and I ended up in nuclear medicine. Give me a definition 
It sounds scary, I think, when some people, <laughs> nuclear medicine, what is that? What is exactly. nuclear medicine? Exactly. Well, nuclear medicine is the specialty that looks at organ function. And so everybody's familiar with, with x-rays that you see, and, and you've probably seen chest x-rays or bone x-rays of, of yourself, and that's looking at anatomy. What nuclear medicine does is looks at how are the cells within the organ structure fun functioning. And so what we use are low levels of radiation, which everybody gets injected. So it's an injectable substance that, that we get, which is one-fifth of a teaspoon size. So it's a very small amount of radiation. And the thing about nu nuclear medicine, if you've ever had a chest X-ray, you know everybody leaves the, the room but you when you get the X-ray. Well, in nuclear medicine, it's a totally different type of exposure where you're sitting next to each other. Um, it's You don't have to leave the room. Our technologists are next to you, and you can go home and not so don't worry about safety. Exactly. It's a very safe approach. So we look at organ and cellular fun function and we have specific isotopes called medical isotopes that go to each of these cells. And we're able to detect cancer at a much earlier stage. We're able to detect various diseases at much earlier stage and help you and your doctor to decide what's the best treatment for you. You mentioned, Christopher, medical isotopes. Is that the same as when I hear about a radioisotope? Yes, it's exactly the same. And what is it? It's, well, this is a, what we use as a short-lived isotope. It has a half-life of about four, uh, sorry, of six hours. And what this, what half-life means is you're injected with, a, with an amount of a substance and every six hours it divides by half, it just naturally disappears. And uh, these are made either in nuclear reactors or in cyclotrons. And, um, Nuclear medicine has actually been around since about 1941 when the first treatment of assessment for, for thyroid disease was done. So it's very long, a very old specialty from, from that perspective and really got into its, uh, its stride in the mid-1970s and then it's been just expanding ever since uh, to what we're doing now is called positron emission tomography, which is looking at even greater degree of cellular abnormality and really, really advancing the science and the detection of disease. So you've convinced me, obviously, it's, it's safe. That said, I've heard a couple of times that people have uh, had a uh, had a nuclear medicine examination, and probably relatively quickly after the exam, they've gone to cross the border. They've crossed the border. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me what, what what's happened. Well, what happens there? Uh, the United States, uh, as appropriately so, is very concerned about a terrorist attack and using medical isotopes to do like a dirty type of bomb attack into the United States or some terrorism. So at the border, they have radiation safety detecting devices. So they know you're coming even before you get to, to, to the little booth and they say, go over there. <laughs> and what they want to do, they want to, they will separate you from your car. And what they want to ensure is that you're not smuggling in radioactivity to do a terrorist attack. And they will, they have got your counters. They'll say, okay, you had this type of isotope and et cetera, et cetera. And, and if you're well behaved, uh, you are go into the country. I've only heard of one individual who was sent back and that's because that individual was um, not very cooperative with the border guards. <laughs> and so it does happen. The, the, the most interesting story I've heard of is was a contaminated baby diaper which was coming out of Toronto sick kids. Oh no. And uh, they had to go through all the garbage to find the source of that diaper. So they have very sensitive de detection devices. And I think it's appropriate because Good to know. in this day and age, so as long as you're nice crossing yes. the border, you will have no problem. But to give yourself another hour to an hour and a half to cross the border. Yes. Or give you a, a or, day's notice or, or whatever. Yeah. Or, well, usually our isotopes are, did, are gone in about uh, two to three days. So if you give it about a week, or you'll be fine. Let's talk about some of the diseases or the abnormalities that uh, that, that nuclear medicine that, mm -hmm. that you are looking for in patients. Yeah. Um, 
If you or some of your friends or colleagues, uh, let's say, would have had prostate cancer or breast cancer or lung cancer, odds are you've come to have a nuclear medicine bone scan. And the reason for this is this helps your, your medical oncologist or radiation oncologist to be able to plan the most appropriate treatment for you. Um, we, we are able to detect the spread of cancer before it becomes apparent on CT or plain film x-rays. So we're very important in helping to stage the cancer to determine is, is a cancer just where it was located initially or has it spread to the bones and that changes your management entirely. Um, so that's one of the type of cancers we, we, we deal with at this point. Um, we are also looking at neuroendocrine tumors. If some of your colleagues or friends have had a disease called carcinoid, uh, we are very helpful in detecting the spread of that to tumor. That changes your management as well. And that's using a different medical isotope. Um, so those are the type of cancers we, we, we look at. But that being said, we also do a lot of sports injuries. People who are long distance runners, marathon runners, looking for stress fractures or, or shin splints. And usually that individual has had pain plain film x-rays are normal, there's still pain, and they'll come to a bone scan and say, okay, you have a shin splint in your tibia or your fibula, or you have a stress fracture in your foot, or you had changes to your bony pelvis. So we do a lot of sports injuries as well. Um, heart disease is a major role that we play, and with the new equipment we have at Brantford General now, we're able to assess what's called calcium scoring, and that's the amount of calcium you have in your arteries, and it's the calcium in the artery that causes narrowing of the arteries. So we're able to assess the, the, the degree of calcium within your arch arteries of the heart, plus look at, at, at heart function, looking at how well the heart walls are beating, and also to look at how well the arteries are supplying blood to, to the heart. So we've made, made a significant increase in the ability for heart disease assessment. And this is important because looking at the blood flow tells you what it's like in the short term. Looking at the calcium tells you what your risks of problems in the mid to long term. So we're now able to give a larger degree of information to the patient and, and the doctor to determine what is the next best treatment for your heart disease. One of the most important things we're doing now is, uh, is looking at the assessment of Parkinson's disease from brain Im imaging. And because it's a lot of people can be diagnosed, whether you have Parkinson's through your neurologist or through your movement disorder specialist, some people cannot. And they, it's very difficult to make the diagnosis. So we were able to help those individuals determine, do you have Parkinson's, yes or no? And then if it's no, then they can work down the, the differential diagnosis in, in, in that approach. This is very exciting. Um, we've also been traditionally looking at Alzheimer's disease and helping the doctors and the geriatricians predominantly to determine if there's Alzheimer's disease and degree of involvement. Um, so we do a lot of other things, thyroid as, as, as mentioned, we look at whether you have overactive gland hyperthyroidism um, and that's where people have mood disorders, changes in their heart rate, changes in their skin, sweating, etc. And this is an easily treatable disease and we treat that at Brantford General as well through an outpatient and we basically give you a pill and you go home. The treatment is very simple, very effective and very safe. You paint a picture of a lot of advantages of nuclear medicine which have been proven, I'm assuming though for sure your practice is by referral. Yes, it's absolutely, yeah. It has to go, you, first, it's not a walk-in self-screening type of thing. Uh, women or men go go for mammography breast screening and that's a self-referral process. For nuclear medicine, because we have to order specific isotopes which are related to your type of disease, it's something you cannot do by walking in. We have to know about it in advance. Um, and your physician, you have to see your physician and your physician will decide whether a, a nuclear medicine study or a CT, MR or ultrasound will be your next level of investigation.
And each of these specialties offers benefits uh, to the type of disease we're, we're looking at. So you really have to talk to you to your referring doctor. Referrals come from uh, family doctors and specialists as well. So depending who you're dealing with, your doctor may say, uh, well, you have, you have diabetes, you have problems with digestive issues, and you're getting nausea and vomiting, you need a gastric emptying study. So I'm gonna send you to nuclear medicine to see if your diabetes has affected the functioning of your stomach. Patients and family members who have accompanied the patients to, to your nuclear medicine department at the Brantford General will, will certainly recognize it's a, it's a very comfortable environment. I'm sure you've purposely designed it that way. It's, uh, it's certainly high tech. And in fact, recently there was uh, a, uh, a new gamma camera. You've got two of them, I, I believe. That but recently mm -hmm. uh, a new gamma camera was introduced. But before we talk about that camera, what is a gamma camera? Well, the gamma camera is like the old, um, if you ever watch science fiction movies from the 50s or 60s where they've got the Geiger counter out and they're trying right. to find out where the radiation's coming from or what the radiation levels are. Basically, a gamma camera is a big Geiger count counter. And what it does, it the, the patient, the individual, is actually the source of the radiation because that's the injection that we give. And what the gamma camera does is detects the radiation, maps it out where it's becoming, where it's coming from in the body, and we get a small image of the organ we're looking at, whether it's the bones, the brains, the heart, the thyroid, kidneys, liver, etc. And then we're able to actually then do three-dimensional imaging and reconstruction. So we divide the body up front to back, top to bottom, side to side. And then because we also have a low-level CT T-scan attached to that, we can now anatomically fuse where that abnormality is in uh, the nuclear medicine to the anatomic sites. So, so I'm now able to say the, the disease is associated with the third vertebral body of the lumbar spine in the pedicle on the left side. So we're really able to narrow it down specifically to where that disease is involved. And I always sort of chuckle to myself when uh, you're in Christopher's office and you think you have uh, perhaps a, a computerized environment in your office or at home with two screens, you have these massive screens all around your office and that's where you're reading Yep, that's correct. Um, the result. Yep, it, it, exactly. It, it, it looks like the Starship Enterprise <laughs> from the old series with all the computer screens around and stuff. Um, and the reason is because we, we, have, we have a picture archiving system that's called PAX, and that's where all of our data is stored imagely. So we no longer have film. It's all based on computer. And then you have to look at what the images are. And so we have our nuclear medicine workstations, which have two screens. Then you have your PAX workstation, which has three screens. So those are about five. And since they do cover other hospitals, you have the same situation repeated times, three times. And so it's a lot of screens, uh, makes the office warm, so we have to really control it. But it actually allows information to, to be stored safely, um, easy, retrievable. The days are gone where you have these big stacks of bags of images that you had to look at. Now it's all computerized. You can really track down uh, where a process, where a, a, an image has occurred. We also have linkages to Hamilton as well. So we can actually look, if you've had your studies done in Hamilton, we can look at their findings and their results on the computer as well, and then uh, compare it to what we've done in, in, in Brantford. So it's a nice integrated system. Nice to hear that efficiency is alive and well in the, uh, the Brant community healthcare system. So we know what a gamma camera is, and I know that uh, a number of months back, a, a new one was introduced. A $500,000 donation from SC Johnson in Brantford went towards the purchase of this camera, which also has 
has uh, 3D capability. A newspaper story at the time quoted you, Christopher, as saying, it is phenomenal. As soon as it was out of the box, we changed patient management overnight. Mm-hmm. How so? Well, the what we were able to, to do now is the detectors uh, for, the, for the gamma camera are much quicker, so we're able to get images done in a faster rate. Uh, with our CT capability now, we are now able to really localize where the disease location is. We've moved with the, as I mentioned, with heart disease, the ability to assess for calcium in the arteries, which we're not able to do before. And uh, we've actually started implementing all of this in, into the next phase, as we've introduced recently for an individual who's coming into the hospital with chest pain, and they're not sure they have to send them to Hamilton for a catheterization. We've now assessed, uh, introduced a poll program called Rapid Assessment Cardiac Program. And what we wish to do within 24 hours of that patient coming into a hospital is to do a a very quick uh, cardiac study called a MIBI, M-I-B-I scan, with calcium scoring and heart function. And now this allows the the doctor on the floor to discern, do do I have to send you to Hamilton for for a cardiac catheterization? And we've actually found now, since we've implemented the program, the amount of transfers to Hamilton has dropped. Uh, So we're not sending people to Hamilton who don't really need it. And we're getting a much better turnaround. Uh, We're getting people out of hospital quicker. Uh, we've also uh, the internal medicine has also linked uh, with an outpatient internal me- medicine assessment p- program, which has just started up, and we've been helping them a lot as well by assessing heart disease, etc. So that by the time the patient comes to see the physician, there the images are done, the reports are done, and then a decision can be made. So having the new gamma camera allows us to do things quicker, allows us to lower the radiation exposure, and allows us to give a greater degree of detail in, in our reports, so that patient management can be changed quickly. Excellent. This is probably a good good point to make a sidestep right here. When people come to a, a very busy acute care hospital center, which the Brantford General is, and they'll have an appointment for a procedure at 10 a.m., but they may not get in till sometime after that. And that is because there are these urgent situations that come along through the emergency department, the patient you're speaking of, that you want to, within 24 hours, make a quick assessment to decide whether the patient has to be transferred to Hamilton. That's an example of what causes that mm-hmm. delay. Yeah. Um, we, we try and schedule this so that it minimizes the delay as much as possible. And because we, we know when people come to the department, they've taken time off from work. They have someone babysitting their, their, their children. Um, they may have other appointments to go to. So we, we, have, to, we have to be very un, uh, sensitive to the time needs of the individual coming for the procedure as well, the nuclear medicine study. So we really try and minimize the impact of any delay as much as we can because we, we don't want to do that. To, to you because that's unfair. Right. But if there is an emergency, uh, we got to address that, and uh, we do. Uh, and then we explain information discussion is very important and lines of communications. We really explain to, to, to the patient who's waiting that this is why you're, you're waiting. We didn't have a chance. And when most people un- understand that there's something urgent and life-threatening, that's going to take it precedent. It may be them sometime in the It future. may be them, and we're going to do exactly the same. Okay, so the patient has arrived in the nuclear medicine department. Describe the procedure. First of all, anything they need to do at home before coming? Um, For most things, no. Um, The only thing that you will be advised of is if you're coming for a heart study, you cannot have any type of caffeine 
the reason for that, it, it, that interferes with our st study. Um, so things like coffee, tea, soft drinks, chocolate. You don't want to have a Red Bull before you You don't want to have a Red Bull before you come see, see us. And that's about 24 hours prior to. But in general, there's no preparation for a nuclear medicine st st study. And if there were already specific things, that's for a specific, very detailed type of study we, we do, and we will advise you what you can and cannot do. But, but those are the unique type of very rare diseases we try and assess. Okay, so the patient arrives in your department, have to get into one of those funny hospital gowns? Uh, no, um, for, except for a heart test study, because we have to do a stress test. We have to apply electrodes to your chest. But if you're coming for a bone scan, a lung scan, a brain scan, you're in fully, your, your clothing as you, as you wear no, normally. There's no gowns needed, et cetera. So paperwork is completed and uh, the injection is provided. I've heard of some procedures where patients have the injection and they have to come back later in the day? Yep, that's, that's very true. Uh, the reason for, for that is each organ functions a little differently. And uh, so let's say if I'm doing a lung scan, that's done immediately, there's no wait time, and we're able to tell you, yes, you have a blood clot in the lung, yes or no, within 30 minutes of doing the procedure. If you're coming for a bone scan, there's about a two to three hour wait time because you have to allow our injected substance to be incorporated into the bone structure. And as you know, bones are not rapidly changing organs, so they take their time to get our medical isotope in, in there, and that allows us to get proper I I imaging. Um, some of our tests may actually take up to two to three days, to, to do and the injection is we do immediate imaging or very imaging very quickly after the injection then you have to go back at 24 to 48 hours for some type of very specific type of uh, processes that we do and you had to go to Hamilton to do that before so imagine having to travel two or three times to Hamilton over three days and now you just come to Brantford General Park come up and get your study and 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 the tests usually take about 30 minutes when you're there so you know it it's much easier if you're going to spend 30 minutes in, in Bradford rather than trying to get the Hamilton Park and then come back. And exactly. So we've tried to really streamline it so that we can offer as much to the community as possible. And right now with our new gamma camera, there's absolutely no reason for any patient from Bradford or Bryan County to go anywhere else, be it a heart study, be it be cancer. It's all here. And you don't have to go anywhere now. Just ask your doctor to say, why don't you send me to Bradford? Excellent. Quick question, is there a type of procedure that the radioisotope or the medical isotope, as you describe it, Christopher, it's, it's, uh, it's in, you put it in, in food and they eat it? Yeah, that's, that's uh, what we do what's for, your for your diabetic individual who's having nausea and vomiting and feels a rapid fullness in that they really can't eat a lot. Um, that's where your stomach may not be functioning as well as it should be, and that's because of the diabetes, and then they can give you a specific medication for that. So we actually mimic what the stomach does. As, as I mentioned, we look at cellular function and physiology is what we look at rather than anatomy. So by giving you something to eat, we can actually see what the stomach does with it. So what we use is an egg salad sandwich, and we, we can change that a bit if you have allergies, et cetera, so we can actually tailor the, the meal as best as possible. We just sprinkle some radioactive substance <laughs> on the egg salad sandwich, let you eat it, and then we take a series of pictures which uh, follow what, what your stomach does with that and how long the stomach takes to empty. And so, some of this test, these tests may take up to four hours if the stomach is really not functioning well. Um, and usually it's a very quick study. The half time of gastric emptying is about an hour. And so usually most people are in and out quickly, but sometimes we have to go lo longer depending on what we see. 
good to hear that you're not having a diabetic patient eat a jelly-filled donut no, with no. eight radioisotopes. <laughs> no, this, this is a, we actually tailor it to protein, fat content, um, consistency, et cetera. So we try and standardize our test as much as possible. And we use international standards for our, for our, our meals so that if you have the study done in the States, Europe, or the Far East, it's the same study. So now it's an egg salad sandwich on brown with, with butter, lettuce, exactly. and radioisotopes. Pretty much. <laughs> What's the future of nuclear medicine? Um, the future of nuclear medicine is, called, is something called ther theragnostics. And um, we're actually opening up uh, conversations now with our oncology department at Brantford General to try and position ourselves so we can start to offer this. Theragnostics is the ability to make the diagnosis and treat with medical isotopes. Um, and uh, we're looking at diseases such as... Um, uh, carcinoid is the major one that, that we're looking at, but we're looking at prostate cancer at, at this point too, and we're not ready yet in Canada to offer this. It's still in some of the early research stages in Canada, but if you were looking at Europe and, and the United States, this is a frontline standard of diagnosis and therapy. So it helps our medical oncologists to have another tool to treat those individuals who have prostate cancer for, for instance, who are having difficulty with standard type of therapy, uh, that you get the chemotherapy, the radiation therapy, et cetera. So this is another option that people can have. And so we're able to, one, make the diagnosis. And once the diagnosis is made, to help our oncologists treat. And so you're going to see nuclear medicine has the name medicine in it for a reason. For many years, we were just basically physiologic imagers. We had clinics looking at individuals, et cetera. We kind of lost that in the mid-1980s and 90s where we became totally imagers. Now we're going back into the concept of, around, of comes medicine around. again. Exactly. And so this is very, very exciting because uh, we'll be able to, and the uh, the success rate of, of with uh, treating with theragnostics, the, the diagnosis and tre treatment is very, very good. And so I think we're going to start to see a change in the, in the way certain cancers are, are, are managed. And there's a new medical isotope coming out, which, which was the image of the year last year at the, at the U.S. International Nuclear Medicine meeting, where we're able to actually make a diagnosis on different types of cancers now. Um, it broadens the, the range entirely because we're targeting a specific type of, of area within the cell, which is common to a lot of cancers. And once we diagnose this, then we can put a medical isotope on there to, to treat this. So, so now, but the exciting thing over the next, like, let, let's say, five to seven years, we'll be able to offer that philosophy of treatment to a, a wider range of individuals. That would really help our medical oncologists managing difficult patients that are not responding as they would to traditional treatments. Good stuff. At the outset, I said that uh, Dr. O'Brien has been involved over the years in the industry, both uh, nationally and internationally, and served on uh, the, the board and as the, the president of, of various uh, nuclear medicine associations. And I recall that uh, in my position, Director of Public Affairs, that frequently, on a couple of occasions, unfortunately, I would receive phone calls from national media, media wanting to have an interview with Dr. O'Brien because there was a shortage of radioisotopes. Mm -hmm. That happened a couple of occasions. And uh, it can be scary for patients and families who are waiting for treatment and now to hear that there was a shortage, the nuclear reactor had to be shut down or, or whatever. The problems are, are challenging. Well, the, the, they are, especially when with the loss of our, our nuclear reactor in Canada, which was up in Chalk River. Um, it was an old reactor. It, it had to be shut, shut down. And so there was a decision to made to, to, to do that. Uh, but, but before that decision shut down, it actually broke down. 
and it had to be re repaired. And the government put a lot of money in to repair it, to keep it going. The reason that was done is the world was not yet ready to take up the slack that um, Chalk River was, was filling. And so we had to give the world time to prepare to develop medical isotopes in, in their countries to allow for shipment around the world. And so Chalk River eventually closed when the rest of the world was ready. And we now get our medical isotopes from um, Australia, we're getting it from South Africa, right. we're getting it from Europe. The United States is gearing up to have their in-house medical isotope production as well. Um, so the world is, is, is more stay stable. We still have some hiccups, there's no doubt about that when you have long lines of, um, of supply lines going from South Africa or Australia. And if issues occur there, it does, it does cause problems. That being said, each nuclear medicine department in Canada has developed protocols now to, to how to manage patients uh, when there is a medical isotope shortage. And we've actually become very good good, good at that. And um, very rarely will we have to cancel a patient. We have to delay testing a few days rather than when we initially looked at it. But we were able to actually handle the situation quite well. And it's actually very impressive the way the nuclear medicine community has responded. Here's a political question. Should we have homegrown radioisotope capability in Canada? Um, I think the... the the horse has left the barn, as they say. Okay. Um, I think if we had positioned ourselves to try and maintain that process, we would still be world lead leaders because the world would not have needed uh, to step up to the plate in Canada, would have been where we were tr traditionally being the main source of medical isotopes in the world. Um, we've lost that, and the other companies, uh, countries have stepped up to the plate. So now... Uh, it is what it is. It is what it is, but I think it was a shame because Canada was the lead leader in this. Um, Chalk River was a reactor that was used not only for medical isotope production, but for high physics research. Uh, so we've lost a lot of capabilities with that, unfortunately. I read that examinations completed by your department at the Brantford General have been reviewed by independent examiners from the Canadian Association of Nuclear Medicine, found to be of excellent quality. That, that speaks well to the services provided by the entire staff. Oh, absolutely. I mean, our staff is, is wonderful. Um, they are very dedicated to uh, detail. Uh, and that's important uh, because it's something you don't want to cut corners on. Uh, yet they also have a very lighthearted approach. And a lot of patients say, this is one of the most nicest department, relaxed departments I've come into. The reason is, is that one, as you mentioned at, at the outset, I have a nuclear study, that sounds bad. So we really want to create an environment which is comfortable, relaxing, lighthearted, yet very professional and very attention to detail. And um, so, and I think over the years we've succeeded in that. I give a lot of leeway to our technologists to, to take leadership roles in patient management, uh, interacting with the patients, et cetera, because that's important because this is their department as well. And I think that philosophy has worked uh, very well based on our reviews. Certainly. Mentioned also at the outset that uh, you have spent a considerable amount of time traveling uh, to Uganda mm -hmm. and Africa and you're, you're working with the redevelopment of nuclear medicine uh, over in Uganda. How did this come about? Well, Brantford General actually had a large linkage with Uganda because of one of our doctors working there, Dr. Peter Kagoma. Um, and uh, at one point he came to me and said, you know, Uganda is beginning to look at redeveloping the nuclear medicine program. Would you be interested? And um, I went over, I did site evalu evaluations and said, this is great potential. Uh, we brought a technologist in the next time we went. And, and each time we go, we bring a tech technologist 
just in. They're now self-sufficient, so our involvement is not as great at this point. And we've actually moved now in, in working in conjunction with the cardiology program in Uganda now, and I'm working with one of the physicians there, we put forward a policy, uh, uh, not a policy, but a, a, a roadmap. Because what, one of the issues in Uganda is that you have all of your physicians centered in the capital of Kampala, where, where the high te technology is, but you don't have this te technology. So what we're actually using is what we've done in, in Brantford is off-site reporting, and they were very interested in seeing how we're able to cover Pembroke, Stratford, um, and, and Brantford through through electronics. And so the, 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 the theory is, is to have satellite nuclear medicine departments around the country, because right now there's only one for, for the entire population of Uganda, which is over like... 35 million, I, I believe. And um, so now we want to put these satellite departments, feed that information into the medical centers of Campella so that you have real-time ability to supervise the studies, talk to the patients through telecommunications, talk to the technologists. And which, is happening which, is happening, which is happening in Brantford General. We've, right. been, we've been doing that for 20 years. And so they're using our model potentially for establishing what they're doing in Uganda. So that's something great for... Uh, so for Bradford General being on the map, if you will. Exactly. So yeah. coming soon to your office is another set of computer screens, potentially well, out of Uganda. Well, not, I wouldn't be doing that. They would be doing that. The, the aim is to bring up home, like have their doctors right. take over the management of, of that. We're there as support to show them the way. And, um, and we're looking forward to seeing that come to fruition. As in most things around the country, it takes years to move things along move and slow. persist and move slow. But there's very large interest in this. You learned from going over to Uganda. Um, the, the overcrowding, um, the hospitals were understaffed, underfunded. Um, uh, Malago Hospital was a 1,500-bed hospital with 800 nurses for 24-hour shifts. Um, so that gives an, a, an, an example of that. Now, that being said, um, and also the, the, the patients coming in in, in the sense that... Um, some of them have very serious diseases. Nothing can be done as could be done in North America. And you look into the patient's eyes and it is sad. And they realize that. Um, there's also the concept that we can do a lot more. Uh, the doctors were phenomenal. I was amazed by their level of training, uh, their understanding of disease processes. They are a well-trained group of docs uh, who are lacking a lot of the resources. And um, so the aim, hopefully, on the international communities, and Brantford has done its fair, fair share, is to give them the resources, give them the extra training that they may need for specific things, and to help move that process for, forward. So it's, it was very emotional. I'm sure experience. it was. Yeah. Let's uh, conclude this episode of Hospital Insider, the podcast, with something perhaps some, a little lighter. Uh, we always end with a round of this and that. Dr. Bryan's looking at me now, wondering where we're going. Going to ask some questions off the top. He hasn't seen them. Quick, quick response. Red wine or white wine? Red. Why? I love the bouquet. I recall one evening, speaking of wine, I think it was last summer, you invited me to your home. It was a lovely night in the summertime, out on the barbecue overlooking your pool. Had some wine and barbecued steaks. Do you have a favorite type of food? Thai, Persian, or anything? Creole. I tend to love Creole. My mom did a lot of international cooking from curries to Indians to Creolic stuff. And, and I got that flavor as, as, as a youngster. Um, so, you know, chicken gumbos, shrimp gumbos, the jambalayas, the, the, the Creoles. The Big Easy. The Big Easy, yes. So I, I'm, I'm a Creole fan. 
It's time for vacation. I know you were away just for briefly a, a little while ago. Do you prefer a summer vacation or a winter vacation? Winter va- winter va- vacations, because summers in Canada just are great. Yes, exactly. Any yeah. particular place that uh, you like to visit frequently? Uh, well, fre- well, if uh, <laughs> fre- frequently would be the Caribbean because it's easy to, 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 to get to. But um, love the desert. And so I've been, especially in the Middle East, uh, going off in, into some desert resorts and desert tenting, etc. Um, safaris because of my uh, ex- experience in U- U- Uganda, but um, you know the Caribbean. If you're gonna go, are you a, a reader or are you a Netflix binger? Oh, uh, well, I'm a reader. I read about four four novels a month. And any uh, particular author you enjoy? Not necessarily author, but genre. I I, I enjoy uh, historical novels, Roman uh, mid uh, century. The, the you know, that type of approach. So more of ancient history and uh, the Middle Ages history and historical novels. Are you a collector? Antiques or uh, paintings or anything like that? Collector antiques, actually. It's one of the things, because of my love of history. Yes. Um, and there was a store in my hometown of Montreal which, which emphasized uh, antiquities. And over the years, I picked up uh, certain pieces. Uh, and these are all from estate sales because you can't get them anymore, and appropriately so. Mm-hmm. So these were products that were found in the 1930s, 40s, uh, around the world, etc. And um, so my oldest piece is 4,000 years old. It's Egyptian. And my mo- most modern piece is a reproductive sword from Spain from the 1800s. So it runs a gamut over thousands of years. And, and the nice thing is it's, it's a bit of our history. And as you know, I came from the humanities. My first was a Bachelor of Arts degree pro program. So I'm very interested in, in, in where we came from as, as a and species. And preserving it. And preserving it. That's right. And displaying it, allowing people to yes. appreciate it. It's like a little, little museum in my house best where people go along, look at a bit of history of what we've done in, in our existence. Perfect. Last question. If you hadn't become a nuclear medicine physician, you weren't, you weren't a doctor of any kind, what would you be doing? I was actually looking into marine biology, um, looking at, uh, I'm a scuba diver for many, many decades, and uh, I've always enjoyed it. And one of the things before I started to consider what I wanted to do, I really seriously look, looking into marine bi- bi- biology and ocean care. Um, like erosions are struggling now, yes. they very much are. And uh, so I was uh, very interested trying to preserve our oceans and our coral reefs. So we wouldn't see you as a coffee barista or no. something in there, scooping ice cream? No, no, not at all. This concludes Hospital Insider, the podcast. My guest has been Dr. Christopher O'Brien, the Medical Director of Nuclear Medicine of the Brant Community Healthcare System. It's good to know that the program in Brantford is, is very state-of-the-art, and it's one-stop shopping, if we can use that phrase, and that the, the examinations of uh, what you do and your staff have been peer-reviewed and have been described as uh, absolutely outstanding. Uh, Christopher, thank you for coming, and thank you for all that you and your staff do for the patients. Well, that's what we're here for. Thank you. Good stuff. Join me in another two weeks for the next edition of Hospital Insider, the podcast. I'm Gary Chalk. Stay well so you can do good. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Hospital Insider, the podcast, a presentation of the Brandt Community Healthcare System. Hospital Insider, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting forum. Please press subscribe and you will always be up to date with Hospital Insider, the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please pass it along to your friends. Encourage them to subscribe as well. It's appreciated. 
In two weeks, we'll return with a new episode of Hospital Insider, the podcast with Gary Chalk. Thank you for listening. I'm Sandy Bishop.